This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I am joined today by just Chris Grenham. We have a we recorded an episode the other day after the Celtics Nets Suns game that kind of encapsulated our thoughts on those two games. And uh, it was supposed to go up uh, yesterday morning. Uh, Nicole Yang, our trusty cohort, uh, went out on a rollerblading ride and got in a pretty bad accident. She is okay, um, but she was not able to get the episode up yesterday. So we are, so it's just us today, and we are going to tack that episode on at the end if you want to hear our thoughts. Celtics Hornets, Greta, just a, a real regression to everything that we saw uh, earlier this season. Uh, Celtics lost 125 to 104. You know, didn't look that good while doing it. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? Was it a, a regression or was it just like right on brand with the way the Celtics play during every afternoon game we've ever seen <laughs> this year? I, I mean, it does seem like they've kind of come back to earth a tiny bit after, after their nice win streak earlier in the month and stuff. But I mean, Charlotte was as ready to play for a Sunday afternoon game as I've seen an NBA team in a very long time. Like they were super energetic, like right from the jump. They moved the ball extremely well. They had a 39 assists is what they finished with, I believe. I can't, yeah, 39 assists, which is season high against the Celtics for any opponent this year. I mean, they just like outplayed them, outworked them. It was pretty, like it never really felt like the Celtics were actually going to win. They couldn't really get over that like nine point hump when they would get it within single digits. And to me, this game, say the Celtics do still continue their struggles this week. This game might be kind of an outlier because like they really just got got like outplayed and outworked. And it was almost like at some point in the second half, the Celtics were like, we're not going to win this game at all. So I don't know. I think the Hornets just played a really, really good game. The Celtics had their turnover issues early as they have of late, but I really do think Charlotte just played a very good game. Yeah, I don't want to minimize those turnover problems because I think what one of the things that happened is like the Hornets had that barrage of three pointers. Yeah. And if the Celtics had then like stuck with it and kind of held the, you know, kind of held the line a little bit, I think there would have been a very good chance that they win this game. But instead, what they did was the Hornets cooled off a little bit from three because they started something like seven for seven or some ridiculous yeah. number like that. Then the Celtics started throwing the ball away. And it was like, well, this should be the time that the Celtics are kind of climbing back in. Like, yeah, they went down 15 early, but a 15-point lead in the first quarter means nothing in the NBA. So, like, I, I really felt like the Celtics yeah, had a really good chance of kind of building back and maybe winning the game. But, like you said, it really started to feel like they had no chance of winning as they were throwing the ball away, as, like you know, the Hornets cooled off a little bit, but the lead didn't really go anywhere. And it was like, okay, the Celtics are kind of in for a long day. And sure enough, I mean, they just, they were never that close. I think the only moment where you kind of were like, well, maybe there's something cooking here was at the end of the third quarter when they had that two for one opportunity and it was single digits. Marcus Smart runs up the floor, thinks he's going to draw a foul. 
he had a case. I yeah. don't think he was ever going to get that call, and it felt no. a little reckless to try to get it. And sure enough, Miles Bridges comes down and hits like a 40-foot three-pointer to end the quarter. It's a 12-point game, 4 nothing run to start the fourth quarter. It's a 16-point game. The game's over. Like, there's no you, chance. You almost knew that shot was going in from the way things had been going for Charlotte earlier in the half. Like, it was like that ball's definitely going in on Smart's behalf. That's a call that Jason Tatum might get, but Marcus Smart's not going to get that call, like, on the perimeter. And so that was kind of tough for him to come down and foul hunt. But, yeah, I agree. Like, the turnovers, they add up in games like this. And the turnovers are a weird thing with this team because they've been able to win games where they turn the ball over a lot. Like, they know they can turn the ball over 20-ish times, 20-plus times, and overcome that and still win. But that being said, like, as you move later in the year, especially towards the playoffs, like, I fear that teams fall into habits like that where they're not consciously turning the ball over, but they're like, all right, we can be a little careless with the ball and we can still climb back into this one on late in the game. Like, I I don't know that that's a concern, but like you look at Friday night's game against the Nets, they were able to climb back in after a sloppy game and then they get it to within three and then they turn the ball over a couple of times and like the turnovers come back to bite them. So it's almost like that's like worked in to their play right now. And they've got to break out of that habit because there's not going to be games in the playoffs when you can easily crawl back in in the second half so like those bad stretches and those bad possessions do worry me and some of them are live ball turnovers that are somewhat harmless like it's not all do or die and dead ball turnovers dead ball yeah sorry yeah, yeah, yeah sorry it, <laughs> it is live, ball turnovers, are live ball turnover live ball turnovers result in absolute like negative things yeah. for your team but yeah dead ball turnovers excuse me but like I, I don't know i just think they're in a bad habit here where they are they know they're going to turn the ball over a lot and they, they they seem to just accept that kind of yeah and i mean i think some of that certainly you know can be attributed to chemistry like this yeah. was the first game where the celtics had basically everybody besides rob williams in quite a while you know that, that everybody was was kind of back and there felt like there was some some pains there and i think too like if james borrego's like game plan was to come out and punch the Celtics in the mouth and then just kind of like let them self-combust like the rest of the way. <laughs> it's a really good game plan. Like yeah. Brad Stevens said after the game, that you know, like there, there hasn't been a game all year that we have won despite like not playing well. And that's the thing. Like if you punch the Celtics in the mouth a bunch of times early, they're probably going to like give you a chance to like, you know, they might beat themselves. Like it just like, this is, this is a team that has to play well to win. They can't play mediocre and, and still win. So all that aside, I will say after the game, Jalen Brown um, had, I think a, a pretty, pretty reasonable quote. he said, I think the last few weeks we played extremely well. And maybe this game is being held to our past because we've been up and down in the past. I'm always looking towards the future. And I think that's a fair assessment. I, I still have some concerns about this team. And I think one of the things that we know is that they can't afford losses like these. Like they have to win these games if they want to have a chance to avoid that triumvirate right at the top of the East. Like they have to win these games, but to Jalen's point, I do think that, yeah, they have been playing a lot better and it's important to remember that as frustrating as this is for fans, and this is not an excuse, but it's just a fact, this team sucks on afternoon games. Like they're just bad during afternoon games. Like you just kind of have to bake that into your analysis. Like it's not a, it's not a good thing. It doesn't bode well for the playoffs when there are afternoon games, but you do have to expect from all we've seen so far this year that this team is going to struggle during in the afternoon. Yeah. When that got brought up by friend of the program, John Corrales in Brad's post game availability, he said, yeah, well, you know, the last matinee we played was the Nuggets and we beat the Nuggets. Like, well, the Nuggets also imploded in that second half. So let's put an asterisk there. Like, I think that's important to keep in context, right? 
Brad said it in a way that was like half-heartedly standing up for the team. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you it, know, there was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we need to play them. Like, I, I do, I do also like this could easily be, what would it be a four game losing streak? Had they not slipped by the suns? I mean, they got kind of lucky hitting the suns yeah. after they battled with Philly the night before they're on a road trip. Like that kind of worked in their favor because they didn't play all that well against Phoenix either. And Tatum didn't play all that well either. I mean, when you talk about turnovers too, I think it's important to note Tatum, like he struggled again, taking care of the ball. And I don't know if he's trying to do too much on certain things. Sometimes it does look like he is just a little careless with the ball. That's a trend that they're going to have to reel in here because they don't need him of all people to be giving the ball away when they're already struggling with that as a team. Well, and especially when he's going to be the highest usage player on the team. Every he's going to have the ball. So, yeah, exactly. So you yeah. can't afford to have him tossing it away. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went back and watched his five turnovers. The first one was that brutal one that Rozier picked off. Right. Just an attention thing. Like if he yeah. cuts that one out, like that would help. That's, because like, That's you, fixable. You can't, you can't do that. One of the other ones, he was saving the ball back in bounds. And it was like, it was kind of a tough turnover by the okay. scorekeeper. Like, I mean, it's, I guess technically it was because he did kind of catch the ball with both feet in bounds, but he kind of got stuck and he had to uh-huh. throw it. So it's like, you know, it's a live ball turnover, but at the same time, it's like, what was he supposed to do? Just step out of bounds? Like, yeah. so I, I understood that one too. But then two of his other turnovers were charges, you know, just kind of stepping in his way. One was Cody Martin and the other was uh, Devontae Graham. And it's like, that's going to be the key for other teams. And, and I think that's that's one thing that the Celtics really need to figure out. Other teams know that if you stop Jason Tatum or if you slow him down at all, and is, he's not such a superstar yet that you can't do that, that, that like, right. he's going to get his 35. Like, no, I mean, he's, he's going to get his 22. And then if it, it might be more than that. And so like, I think other teams are figuring out that if you keep Jason Tatum at 22, as opposed to like 35 or 38 or whatever it might be, you're going to have a pretty good chance of winning. That's going to be really problematic in the playoffs, I think. Yeah. And I think that amplifies the importance of Fournier, right? You need these yeah. other versatile scorers on the side and you hope that he can hit some sort of stride here. I'm not expecting him to in the, next game or two because again like it seems as we've seen with guys all around the league it's very hard to come off the covid shelf of all shelves his situation is even tougher because he hasn't played with these guys all that much so so yeah i think that amplifies his importance because you need those other creators and you need those other those other scores especially the other thing that i was thinking about quite a bit during this game was this is like somewhat of an important loss for the celtics yeah. like a bigger loss than just dropping one to like, I don't know, the Bulls like last week. That makes Wednesday's game against the Hornets all the more important. I think it's Wednesday. It's one Tuesday or Wednesday. All the more important because suddenly they're right back in the mix if the Hornets can steal two in one week from the Celtics. I think they're, yeah, they're the eighth seed right now. The Celtics are now locked up with the Heat at six. So pretty big loss when it comes to the Eastern Conference standings. And we're not, there was a while there where I was, like, yeah, the standings will, you know, fill out the way they are. We're now at the point where the standings are important. Like we're around 10 games left in the season. Like it's very pertinent to the conversation. So this is a relatively big loss for the Celtics playoff picture. Well, and it's, it's especially big because the Celtics kind of had their big surge, right? Where they yeah. won six in a row. They won eight of 10. Now they're tailing off again a little bit, regressing to the mean a little bit. And they didn't make up any ground. They're like, still they, they exactly, exactly where, they were. where they were. There is actually still a very good chance that this team ends up in the play-in game. Like that's crazy to say after they had that big stretch and after they played so well and, you know, they have looked a lot better and, and, you know, I mean, maybe they win the next three games because again, their schedule gets 
easier the rest of the way. It's an easy schedule and they're not going to be playing. I mean, I guess I haven't looked. I'm assuming that none of their next three games or four games or whatever are at 1 PM, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, and if they are at 1 PM, then we could probably pencil that in as a scheduled loss as well. You bet. Uh, no, yeah, seven, seven thirty, seven thirty. All right, they're right. they're home free, <laughs> but I, you know, I I do think that well, they have one more. Oh, this is tough, man. They have a they have a one p.m. game against Miami on May nine. One of those big Miami games is one. Is it a one o'clock game? That's gonna be tough. And oh, man, they might God for hell. God forbid they fall into one of the <laughs> afternoon ABC slots during oh, the playoffs. <laughs> this team well, is and they still haven't decided what time that last Knicks game is gonna be. Like if they that's a Sunday that's, game that they could Sunday game. ESPN would love to grab that as one of their afternoon specials. It's like especially oh man, especially if it has playoff implications for that's sure. The- and it's definitely going Ooh. to. So you could Ooh. you oh wow if I'm if I'm Knicks brass I'm pushing the league. Give me a one o'clock slot at msg we got the court open it's great yeah that's that's so true like that miami game is going to be huge and they're gonna have to snap out of this matinee funk i would you would hope that it can take some playoff implications to ramp them up on a sunday afternoon because that's a big game against miami all of these games are winnable that they have left except all except for the afternoon games they need to go nine of eleven here there's no reason like they really should get up for wednesday's game against charlotte now after losing today so there's no reason why they shouldn't win the next three straight games that hornets game is the last oh no second to last back-to-back of the season then the the next week they have two days off in between portland and orlando which will be nice for fournier and some of those guys who are coming off the shelf that's big but yeah like they should definitely they should beat okc they really better beat charlotte if they're playing with the playoffs in mind and then san antonio is beatable portland's tougher but like you're right these are all very winnable games it's going to be telling with like what this team's I don't want to say mentality, but like these are games earlier in the season where they definitely could have played down to their competition and lost. It's going to kind of show us where this team's at if they're just rolling over like OKC on Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I have nothing left to say about this one. Like like we said, we got the second half of the episode tacked on here at the end. So if you guys want to listen to that, feel free. Get well soon, Nicole, and we will talk to you all again soon. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, so the Celtics uh, lost last night to the Brooklyn Nets, 109-104. On Thursday, they beat the Phoenix Suns. Um, we're going to talk about both those games a little bit, just kind of first impressions. Let's start there. Uh, what, what did you guys think of last night's game? And, and then just kind of overall thoughts on, you know, splitting a really, really tough back to back. I'll start with the Phoenix game because I feel like last night they definitely should have won. So we can start more on a positive note here. I mean, if I told you that the Celtics had 12 turnovers, Tatum was one for seven, Robert Williams, Evan Fournier and Jalen Brown were all out. What would you think the score was at halftime? <laughs> Not the Celtics leading the Suns by 16, that's for sure. 
So I was very impressed with Kemba Walker Thursday night against the Suns. And I don't think this was like a one-off performance. He's sort of been trending in this direction. And I think Thursday against the Suns, like a tough opponent really showed like the concerns about Kemba maybe were a little overblown. I think they were justified just given his health and sort of what we saw happen last year and what it's taken for him to sort of get back to this point. But I, I really think Kemba, from what we've seen, will be able to contribute, will be able to give the Celtics what they need. Like in that first half against the Suns, he had 19 points on seven of eight shooting. He was hitting from three. He was splitting the defense. He was attacking the basket. He was playing really physical. He was also drawing contact and drawing charges on the defensive end. So I just think that was a really important performance from Kemba because one, it showed that he can carry the team like when Tatum doesn't have it and Jalen Brown is out. And two, just in terms of like what the future might hold. Yeah, I I agree with that. Kemba was really, really solid. It was just kind of an odd game, which last night's game was also somewhat odd where you look at the box score and like like last night, like you you see Kyrie has like an off night and they're missing James Harden and Kevin Durant, but the game doesn't really flow like you would expect it to. Very similar when Jason Tatum is having an off night or whatever against against the Suns, but Kemba Walker stepped up extremely well. I mean, I'm just trying to look at my notes here. Thursday seems like a really long time ago. I thought they did a really good job. This is probably my biggest takeaway from that game. I thought they did a really good job with Devin Booker. Like Romeo Langford honestly had some really good possessions against Devin Booker, which, yeah, I was impressed with their defense. It was kind of in the back of my head, Again, I'm just devil's advocate. This is not negative, just devil's advocate. The Suns were coming off kind of like a grueling game against the Sixers. And it looked like for a lot of that one, they just didn't really have any legs at all. And uh, a lot of their misses were front rims. Like you could tell they were a little bit gassed. And so that certainly played to the Celtics advantage. But we've said it all along, like an earlier season Celtics team probably doesn't take advantage of that. And they did. So that's important. And I thought they jumped on them defensively and just kind of annoyed the Suns for a lot of it. I thought it was notable that they survived like the Suns third quarter push. Yeah. Like I think it was very clear that the Suns were tired at the beginning. Like the Celtics Mm -hmm. got out to a pretty early lead and were sort of cruising the dominant team to start but then the Suns made a push in the third quarter and they never really let them within single digits so I I was impressed with their resolve and I guess that's something that's been a consistent thing now like even last night they fall behind to the Nets pretty badly in the third quarter and then they push and make it competitive in the end and yeah, they still lost, but... Well, I definitely agree with you that the resolve has been there. It is kind of funny that the Celtics falling behind big and then rallying, but not quite not quite finishing the comeback. Like, now we're calling that resolve? Like, I, <laughs> I thought that that was just like the Celtics' uh, no. MO for a long time there. So, I think the difference was the opponent. I know the Nets weren't at full strength, but, like, this was the first Nets game, I feel like, where they didn't just get absolutely rocked. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And I mean, obviously they were super shorthanded. The Celtics were without Jalen Brown, um, you know, and they still just kind of, you know, battled. I thought that was impressive. Nicole, to your point about Kemba Walker, like I I think at this point, and I just looked it up, he's second in the NBA in charges drawn this year with 19. He had like three charges on Thursday night or it's two or three? He had at least two on Devin Booker. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like his, like, yeah, his defense isn't like amazing one-on-one and he's a little small and and all that. He actually, like his charges are like an actual defensive tool. Like they're like an actual defensive weapon that teams Mm -hmm. need to like, it's almost like a rim protection thing, which is kind of funny that um, players have to kind of watch out because they might just bowl over Kemba Walker and turn it over, which is kind of funny. 
No, um, I think that's actually true. Like there was a couple instances where Booker would go into the lane and instead of like going at someone, he had to kind of like adjust and do like a semi Euro sort of thing to try to go around him. And it just created an odd shot. So that's what, that's kind of what I was getting at where they just like annoyed him yeah. throughout the game. And that includes Kemba just standing in the, in front of the circle. <laughs> so just annoying, being, dude. Yeah. Right. He was getting so frustrated. Yeah. Which he, he normally was. isn't frustrated against the Celtics. So that was positive. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, imagine if Devin Booker, maybe he did actually, maybe he was one of the stars, but I was going to say, imagine if Devin Booker in TD garden had caught the Celtics during that stretch where they were letting every star just go oh, completely. You would have gone for 80. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we would have had a, a, yeah, a reprise of the 70 point game. <laughs> like, like Nicole was saying about Kemba. I think that the thing that that really hammers home is there's reason to believe that this whole Celtics team, when it's whole could actually be a threat. And we just haven't seen that team. Brad's talked about it a bunch. How like there's just been no chance to build continuity. There's been no chance to, to, to play together. And Clearly, like when this team gets together, there's the potential for all the pieces to kind of fit. Now, that's one of the reasons that Evan Fournier tried to play last night, um, you know, that he, he was talking about that in his post game, how he could have continued to ramp up for a week, but he just needs reps with the team. And if that means like struggling through a couple of games with like, you know, lung problems, like he's just going to try to do it. So, you know, I think that's going to be the, the, the biggest story of the next 14 games. It's just like the Celtics have an easy schedule. Now they need a chance to try to like, like to gel and to, to play together and just kind of get a feel for each other because this team has, has barely seen each other on the floor. And that's why it would be so beneficial for them to be able to get the four or five seed because then the, their first round playoff matchup will be much more manageable. But if they somehow end up with the sixth seed, like they're in trouble. Yeah. That's the worst case scenario, I think. Yeah. And it, it's going to be really hard for them they'll, and they'll probably lose that series and it'll be weird because at that point, like, I think if they lost that first round series, if they got the sixth seed, but played pretty well the rest of the way, I think we would all kind of be just like, well, like, yeah, that happens. But like the, the improvements are real. Like they, this looks right. like a better team again. And um, it would be unfortunate for them if they just ended up with the Bucks in the first round. Like, I, I just, I don't think they're beating the Bucks this year. If they had had a full season with this team and, and they were able to play like they have the last few weeks, then I think we could start to have some conversations about, the Bucks and you know the maybe the Sixers like this is a much more interesting team but um yeah I, I think it's really crucial for them to get that four or five even if it's the five um, yeah 100 percent. yeah I don't think especially with the fan restrictions and things like that like home court advantage isn't really that big of a deal no, this no, year so no. they just need the easier opponent for me there's just no gray area with this playoff picture like they get six there's no way they beat any of those top three teams so whether there's a shift in the top three, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be Milwaukee, Philly, or Brooklyn, but they get the four or five. I think they definitely beat the Knicks or the Hawks. So it's like, there's no, well, maybe they could. It's like, for me, it's either get the six and lose or get a four or five and win, in my opinion. So then it could open some things up. I think it's really, that seating is really a difference maker for this team. Again, Celtics have one of the easiest and maybe it might actually be the easiest schedule in the it's NBA. It's close to it. If it's not. Yeah. This back-to-back -back, now that that's behind them, I think they got a back-to-back -back against Miami at some point, but for the most part, it's a pretty easy schedule. I think they play Portland too. If you look at Tankathon's remaining schedule strength, they sort it by the, basically the winning percentage of the remaining opponents, which okay. is a decent way to do it. The Celtics have the 20, the, well, the, 29th so second easiest schedule to, to philly philly has the, the easiest but that's a, a little bit weird because the hardest team the celtics have left is either you know like the knicks or the blazers or yeah. the heat however you want to say that 
Philly still has to play the Bucks and, right. and the Hawks twice. So I, I'm not <laughs> not sure I agree with this. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't so really agree with this. One way or the other, the Celtics have they have games against the Timberwolves, Magic, Thunder, Cavaliers, Bulls, Hornets. Like they have a lot of winnable games on their schedule going forward. They do have a regular season finale against the Knicks, which this game actually could be important because I just looked it up and they have split the season series. So this will be yeah. for the tiebreaker. So if yeah. their records are tied, like this game will matter. That's so that's kind of exciting. That would be exciting. Yeah. yeah. That that's what everything Tibbs lives for, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty wild if the Celtics played the Knicks for the chance not to play the Bucks in the first round. Like that would be, it's not a play in game, but it's uh it's a pretty intense first round matchup or a pretty intense uh, final uh, game of the season matchup. All right. So let's talk about the Celtics nets a little bit. I, it was a weird game. The Celtics had every chance to win that you know, based on who was playing. Uh, the nets were without KD and James Harden. Obviously the Celtics were without Kemba, Jalen and Rob. So it was kind of a busted game. Tatum went like berserk. He had 38 on 14 for 27 shooting. He had a, just a, a really good game. He did have five turnovers. Um, so did Marcus Smart, who was two for 10 for three. But like the Celtics just kind of didn't have the firepower besides Tatum and Pritchard. Evan Fournier came back, but clearly wasn't healthy. I, we're, we're, in a, we're in a much more positive mindset about the Celtics now. This was kind of a, a weird loss, but again, like super shorthanded. I don't know. What, what do you guys make of it through the lens of our new po- a newfound positivity? <laughs> It gave me a view back to our old lens because <laughs> it really, it felt to me like we were watching this team from like mid-March that would just lay flat for portions of the game and very, very stagnant, let teams kind of run all over them. And then they would get some random bolt of energy and they would like jump back into this. They really got back into it last night. They actually gave themselves a shot, but the turnovers just kept turning around to bite them. Like even when they cut the lead to, I, I forget what it was, uh, to like three or whatever it was late in the game. It was the turnovers again that screwed him over. So it gave me a look back to the non-April Celtics, which was a much worse product. I mean, they just need to get healthy. Like they didn't have anything. They were relying on Peyton Pritchard deep, deep threes last night, which this team should not be relying on. But that's kind of where they are with their injury situation at the moment. To that point, though, I think that kind of hammers home what was wrong with the Celtics earlier this year, too, right? Like, they look like their old, their old selves when three of their starters were out injured. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, three of their starters were out injured, so. Right. No, that was going to be my point. Like, I think Jason Tatum scored 38. Like, he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a, a big reason why they have playoff success if they do. But on a night where Jason Tatum does score 38 on pretty efficient shooting, and Kyrie Irving goes 4 of 17 from the field, and they don't have KD and James Harden, I think this game just shows the Celtics, like, supporting cast versus the Nets supporting cast. Nets supporting cast is so much better. Their their supporting cast is just so much more competent and just so much more reliable than what the Celtics are working with. I assume if you look at the average age of the Nets players that were playing last night and then the Celtics players, it would be a noticeable gap. Like the Celtics are working with Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritch. I mean, I guess Jabari Parker now sort of brings up the age a little bit, but like, honestly, most of the bench players are first or second year players. Yeah. I think that was the big thing from last night for me is like, okay, with both teams down stars, the Nets options are just better. I do think it's funny that we're talking about, and you're right, I do think it's funny that we're talking about 26-year-old Jabari Parker bringing up the Celtics' like average age. Like, it's so wild that he's only 26 years old. Crazy. It's absurd. The, the uh, sequence that really stuck out to me was when they cut it to three, and they helped off Joe Harris. I think Fournier was out there. 
yeah. was like, whoa, what are what are we doing? And then it, I mean, that was that was the killer when they I think it was Pritchard that hit the three to cut it to three. And I was like, hey, like they might win this game. Like they're kind of jumping on the nets. And then they help off Joe Harris. Oh my God, they're not going to win this game. <laughs> I think they did it again, like a, like a possession or two later, and he missed. And he missed, yeah, yeah. but they did, yeah. It's yeah. like, all right, this is this is not great. <laughs> can't help off Joe <laughs> yeah, Harris. What are like, we doing? <laughs> yeah, that one felt pretty basic. I think that was one of the was one of the themes that the Nets just kind of always had an answer for whatever run the Celtics threw at them. Like, yeah, they didn't have Durant or, or Harden, and yeah, Kyrie was way off. But like again, after Jason Tatum started hot the Nets rallied back and took the lead and just built that lead up a little bit to about 10. And the Celtics just never could like, they could just never get over the hump. They could get it down a little bit. They could get it down to three. They could get it down to five, could keep themselves in the game. Even when the Nets really threatened, I mean, the Nets threatened to blow it out a bunch of times, never did. And I just think like, like they just always seem to have an answer for whatever the Celtics, uh, whenever the Celtics were able to put something together. I guess it was a second night of a back-to-back. So maybe yes. Tired. There's so many reasons that you can like, and, and we, we should get into that too. There are a million mitigating circumstances for losing that game, even with Kyrie struggling, even with the Nets guys out. The Celtics, you know, again, they were without Kemba, they were without Tatum, they were without Rob, or they were without Jalen, they were without Rob. I also think like there were a lot of heavy hearts on the team. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think even even Jason Tatum played great, but like, I mean, these guys all, a lot of these guys knew Terrence. Like everybody was pretty shocked, obviously, yesterday. I'm sure they were still shocked today. It couldn't have been easy to play a basketball game. There's every reason in the world to just kind of like look at last night's game and say like, okay, like there's a couple positives from it. Like Fournier came back, Peyton Pritchard like shot super deep from three. Like if there was ever a game to just take a moral victory from, I think it was probably last night's game because there were a million things and like the Celtics were definitely, uh, definitely kind of shaken. And I think that's extremely fair. I don't think there's anything that they could have shown last night. Like, even if they won, like, yeah, that would have been nice, but I don't think there's anything they can really show between now and the start of the playoffs that will really inform my opinion about what I think this team can do in the playoffs. I I really think it's just going to come down to in-game adjustments, in-series adjustments, matchups there, and the health of the other team too. Like, I, I just think for me, my opinion about what they can do in the playoffs is what it is right now it's if they get the six seed i think it's over if they get the four or five seed maybe we're working with something here i think the other thing about that is i think it's so crucial to see what evan fournier can do because yeah. if he and that, not like from a i think we saw what he can do if he's fully healthy during the four games that he played like there were a couple of moments where you were like oh like this celtics team makes a lot of sense like they could be really tough I just mean, like, can he build enough chemistry specifically, him specifically, can he build, you know, in 12 games enough to be a real threat in the playoffs? And how are his lungs going to be? Because we're, like, very close to the playoffs. Jason Tatum struggled for, what, like a month and a half after he returned? Month and a half, and and we're looking, you know, dead into the playoffs here. Like, I mean, we're month and a half, and we're, what, looking into June? Like, Celtics are probably gone by that point if, uh, you know, if 48 can't. If his, if his lungs are really messed up. So I don't I mean, Brad Stevens said before the game that these things kind of exist on a spectrum and like various guys have gotten COVID and had various amount. You know, Tatum seems to have had like a really tough time with it. So we'll see what happens with Fournier. I mean, obviously you hope that he's, that he's okay. Cause some of those long-term COVID symptoms are, are kind of scary. Yeah, they're definitely scary. And you do have to think about that with Fournier because it seemed like last night he was like, I had some trouble in, you know, paraphrasing here, but he was like, I had some trouble 
ramping up a couple of days of practice when I got back on the court, like it was really hard. That was probably one of the toughest days of that stretch, toughest couple of days of that stretch. So yeah, I think that's something definitely to keep an eye on because you are going to need him. If you want to cause some trouble for any of those top teams in the East, you are going to need Fournier playing the way he can. It's hard enough to get back into shape and ramp up activity when you know who you're playing with. He just doesn't have the reps with these guys. So he had a, a difficult beginning in Boston to begin with when he had a false positive and he was traveling and he couldn't play. I, I do really feel for the stretch he's gone through to start with this team because it hasn't been easy. So you would hope that conditioning wise, he's able to kind of get back to it and he doesn't see some of the long-term symptoms that, that Tatum has, because that seems like it's pretty rough. Well, and he was on a minutes restriction last night. Like I yeah. think that's pretty telling too, because he's fully cleared. Like yep. he obviously yep. is allowed to play, but the fact that the training staff felt like it would be, necessary for him to limit the m- number of his minutes I think is also reflective sort of of maybe his status yeah. right now yeah. yeah um you know he didn't minimize at all how difficult you know the COVID experience is how difficult it is to go back to practice to playing games and he still just said like look I have to get on the floor like the, the time is ticking yeah. like there's only he was like I just have to push through it let me get out there let me like like let me just get my cardio up by clearing some of the cobwebs in a basketball game and I think he's right I think the Celtics need him to do that they just need him to be on the floor if he has like a tough stretch with COVID and everything and like the Celtics don't necessarily get the best out of him, I will be curious to see what the ownership appetite will be to, to really pay for this team next year, to pay for Fournier, to pay for everything else. You know, they, they use their, their trade exception to go get Fournier. It sure seems like they're planning on, on paying him. Um, this team is going to get really expensive. And I think we all think this team could be pretty good, especially with an off season and with all these pieces kind of gelling together. Like there's some real potential on this team, but I don't know that we've seen enough of it for Wick and, and uh, you know, the ownership group. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I'll be curious to see if we've seen enough positives from this team to, to kind of force them to, to really pay this summer. Yeah. I think that's a pretty legitimate question because it seems like the ownership group is being pretty careful with their money right now, more careful maybe than they have been in the past, considering they shipped out Daniel Tice to get under luxury tax. Like I definitely think it's a legitimate question if they're going to be willing to pay, depending on what they see over the next month or so. I think I would be, again, things could change, but I think I would be surprised if they're not still willing to pay for Fournier and kind of willing to push forward, because I think that was part of the reason why they use the exception on him. I think, I mean, for me, a part of it is like, how does Kemba play over the next month or two? If he's good, then he's like a crucial part of the Celtics, which is, is huge. I mean, they, like, if they, if that's the case, if he is a crucial part of the Celtics, they can breathe such a sigh of relief. But if he's not, then yeah, I mean, then, then I think you start having to have conversations about what to do this summer. So curious to see what they do there. Other than that, I think splitting that weekend or that 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 back to back there was huge. We talked about the standings a little bit. The Hawks have some have some tough ones actually. Uh, the Suns they have the Sixers twice and they have the Bucks. So even two of Atlanta's easier games are the Wizards, who are playing pretty well right now. So there's a there's a chance that Atlanta slips a little bit here. They've got a tough schedule coming up, and you know the Knicks. I mean, we'll see. Like they've they've impressed all year. They keep winning games. Um, you know, eight of their last ten, uh, they're they're playing great. So. It'll be fascinating to watch down the stretch. May 16th, I think it is, is the is the next game. I think that's going to be a fun season conclusion. All right, guys. Um, well, we can leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again next week.